0: Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Zan Dixon, And
1: I'm Lily Lukau. We want to remind you that this program is being broadcast on stolen indigenous land. Tonight, as the election draws closer, youth and young adults discuss voting in 2020.
0: We'll hear from Austin Wiaki, political organizer for NAVA EP, Barbara Ramirez and Kyle Gonzalez, participants of the GJ Practicum, and Luna Olavarilla Gallegos, a writer and longtime GJ member.
1: And September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. So we will hear from Megan McCormick and Gabby Pineda from Breaking the Silence New Mexico.
0: Six months ago, a young black woman was shot and killed by Louisiana police officers. They invaded her home and unlawfully executed her. None of the officers will be convicted for this murder, and only one person was charged with a Class D felony that had nothing to do with her murder. It is terrifying to know the police in America can do such heinous acts without repercussions.
1: It is horrifying that no justice has been served. Knowing that the system is not broken, but functioning exactly as it's meant to, is something I have never had to face or learn about until recently, which is equally horrifying. Let's send our love to Brianna Taylor and her family. Here is Say Her Name by Master P.
2: This for all the soldiers in the Lost Queens Whoa. we just trying to bring hope to the real streets on the low, watch out for we just tryna live but they just wanna say
0: to a leave. name, say a name, say a name if you won't change. Say a name, say a name if you feel a pain. Say a name, say a name. Brianna Tiller, say a name, say a name. Brianna Tiller, we got our hands in the air and they still kill us. We say we can't breathe, they say they can't feel us. Every person from the ghetto ain't a drug dealer, and every cop with a badge. According to the U.S. Census, in 2016, 46% of young people ages 18 to 29 years old voted in the presidential election.
1: This year, the youth vote is just as critical. So, we bring you a panel discussion about the importance of youth voting and civic engagement.
0: Tonight's panelists include Austin Wiyaki, a political organizer for NEVA EP, and Barbara Ramirez and Kyle Gonzalez, GJ Practicum participants.
1: Now, let's hand it over to our panel moderator, Luna Olavarria Gallegos, a writer and longtime GJ member.
3: Thank you, Generation Justice, for having me today. My name is Luna Olavarria Gallegos. I'm a cultural organizer and a writer, and I was born and raised in New Mexico. I actually was a part of Generation Justice as a youth when I was young, all through middle school and high school. And I graduated from college in New York, but I've recently been back. And I'm really excited today to talk about voter engagement, specifically amongst young people of color. This is something that's really important to me because I think engagement of all types in the political sphere and in the social sphere is really, really important. So I'm really excited today to be joined by Kyle, Barbara, and Austin. And before we begin with some questions, I just wanted to have given opportunity for everyone to introduce themselves. So Austin, can we hear from you?
4: Sure thing. So, hello everyone. My name is Austin Wiaki. I'm uh, the political director for a group called Native Education Project and NM Native Vote. We do voter engagement around the state of New Mexico. We do civic education. We're working on the census right now. We do all the stuff from, you know, voter registration all the way down to making sure that people know who the candidates on their ballot are. Personally, I've been involved in politics in New Mexico pretty much my whole life, which started with, you know, my parents being involved in the fight to prevent a road through the Petrobras in the early 2000s. That was a fight that we ultimately lost, but really politicized us as a group of people to know that just as much as our activism, it was also important to be politicized and politically active. So I've been involved forever and really excited to be working now as a campaign manager and political director for NM Native.
5: Thank you, Austin. Um, Barbara? Hello, my name is Barbara Ramirez. I'm 19 years old, and I am part of DJ's Cultivating Leaders Practicum. I'm also the radio assistant producer for Generation Justice. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am studying journalism. I plan to transfer to UNM soon. I'm currently attending CNM. I was born in Venezuela and moved to the United States four years ago. I'm a political asylee, so that means I can't vote. I wish I could vote. That's why I'm learning how to be engaged and how to participate in the election even though I can't vote. I'm learning about how to use media to inform people about the importance of the election and also providing resources for our community so that they know where to go to find information about voting, how to vote, how to check their voter registration. And I'm so excited to be in this panel today. Thank you. I'm so
3: excited for you to be here today as well. And Kyle.
6: Thank you so much, Luna. My name is Kyle Gonzalez. I'm 22 years old. I'm a recent UNM graduate. I graduated with a degree in political science and public communication. And like Babara, I'm part of GJ, I'm part of the Cultivating Leaders Practicum. I'm also very excited to be here today. My political history, I was not very involved as a child. My family's not very political, but I was really proud to get spurred into politics in 2016 like so many other young people. I was really proud to join the political revolution that Bernie Sanders led in that primary, and I'm proud again to be voting in this election, and I'm so happy to be here talking about why we should be mobilizing other people to get involved, whether they align with my beliefs or not, because young people really just don't have a whole lot of a voice in today's government, and that's something that we really need to change if we want to see the change that we need in society.
3: Totally. And Kyle, I want to actually start with talking a little bit about what you talked about, how you were really encouraged to be more political and be part of a bigger movement in 2016. And I wanted to know, there's this myth that I think was very persistent in 2016, as well as in 2020, and inconsistently still today, that young people are deeply apathetic, that we don't care about politics, that we We don't care about voting. We don't care about being engaged. I wanted to know from each of you why you think that this myth persists and, you know, why it persists and also why it's wrong. What are some ways in which we just know that that's not a truth?
6: So I think personally, I would agree that's a total myth that youth don't care about politics because we see every day youth turning out for so many things that matter to them, whether it's climate change or alleviating the student debt crisis or um, providing help to people who who have been impacted by this pandemic. Young people who are at the forefront of that, as the education system has obviously been really disrupted by the pandemic. I think that a large part of where that myth comes from is actually a reversal of what we usually hear in that it's not that youth are engaged with politics and government, but that our government and our politics really isn't engaged with youth. And I think you see that in who we elect. Right now, you can see that both of our presidential candidates are in their 70s. Joe Biden's 77 and President Trump is 74. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, is 78. And our House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, is 80. And that is all compared with the fact that the average American is only 35. So our elected bodies really don't reflect the electorate and the country in the way that I really think it should.
5: I agree with Kyle. There's a false narrative about young people not caring, but actually when you go to protest, the young people are the one who are leading and organizing because we want a better future. We do care and we know that it's important and we know that our vote counts. And Austin, you you painted a beautiful picture of
3: you and your community being really active from a very young age. Can you speak to this issue of of a myth of young people not being involved and not caring?
4: Sure. So I actually might go the uh, opposite direction as some of the other people where I would say that in our actual election numbers, there underrepresentation of young people. It is true that when we analyze turnout, young people don't vote the same clip as old people. Part of that really has to do, I think, with a lot of what was outlined by both Kyle and Barbara, which is the system isn't really built for people who are considered minorities. And I think that young people in a very real way are kind of a minority in this political system. I think that there is a really strong divide between activism and politicization like where people will say, I plan on, you know, showing up for all of the protests and I believe in these things. These issues affect me and will continue to affect me for decades, but I don't like either of these candidates, so I don't really plan on voting and there really isn't a whole lot that I can do from this, through this avenue. And part of it is true. Part of it is, is like, We lose some of our representation just by virtue of not using it. You know, we start to lose rights when we don't use our rights. And we have to make sure that we're being intentional about being heard when those election days come up.
3: So I wanted to to ask also, what are like really important issues that are on the ballot in this election? Kyle, you mentioned, you know, uh, student loans, which is a huge, huge issue for me, as well as the climate crisis. And, you know, the support of racial uprisings towards a more just future for people of color. Can you speak to what are the most important issues for yourself and for your community?
6: Sure. Yeah. I think for me, this election, what's really on the ballot for me would have to be climate change. Just because this is such a enormous, crucial fight that we are honestly losing right now. We can see that just in the Western states, the way that they are completely ablaze. And in some places, there's very little to no containment at all. And I think that that is really just a crucial aspect of this election, because even the more progressive candidate on climate, Joe Biden is not doing enough to actually address the problems that we're having. He wants to get zero emissions from electricity by 2035. But scientists are saying that that's not going to be enough to avoid the most devastating impacts of climate change, and that we're going to need to do more sooner. And I think that that really boils down to what this election is and that it's not just about election day and getting a person in and getting everything that we wished for, but that election day is really the start of a process and that we're voting in somebody, whoever it is, that is not going to be as progressive as we want on climate change. They're not going to do enough to save our planet. And we're going to have to continue to fight and work to push them in order to secure the future that we need for future generations.
3: what are there any issues in terms of your community in the United States or outside of the United States that would be really impacted by the outcome of this election?
5: Yeah, I think the most important issue is how accessible healthcare is in this country and i come from venezuela and i came here because i wanted a better future but when i came here i realized that it's so expensive if you get sick here like venezuelans jokes that they say if you're in the us you cannot get sick because of how expensive it is and if you don't have an insurance is like it's so frustrating and sad that that's the reality of this country Healthcare access should be a right that every person should have, and they shouldn't have be dealing with having to pay like $30,000 for a surgery or something like that. That's something important for me. Yeah, there was a recent poll out that showed
3: that Latinos, one of our, our two top, you know, important issues this election are healthcare and the economy. And obviously in this country, they're tied together because if you lose your job, which many, many people have lost their jobs, you also lose your health care. And, you know, this is something that I think hits home for a lot of us. And as disproportionately people of color have lost their jobs due to the pandemic, they're also losing like their right to accessible health care. And I think there's, I think over 20 million people without health insurance in this country and many people who are undocumented. And low income without health insurance. So very, also very important issue this election. And Austin, what's important for you? What's on the ballot for you this election?
4: Uh, Everything is on the ballot for me. On the local level, there's a lot more that we can accomplish, especially if we go down the ballot to our state house and state senate races. Like we're going to see a huge bang for our buck on those votes where things like legalization and a state-sponsored Medicaid for all. We could see early childhood education finally passed this year. We could see a raise in minimum wage. There's a lot that we can do on the state level that we actually really need to do and we're really behind on. And then on the national level, I think like one of the things that I didn't see coming was children in cages at the border. To me, that's utterly unconscionable and heartbreaking and like there's just no way to justify it. Really, that's like one of the, the main things that just has to change is the way that we're dealing with immigrants in this country. And again, I think healthcare, you know, the climate, all of that is also up there. Kyle really outlined it that we're gonna have to keep fighting. No matter who wins, we can't go back home and say, all right, we did it, we won because that's how we get to positions where things are untenable. We have to continue to stay engaged. It is our duty to be civically engaged and to remain educated about who the best options are and know that we're going to have to push those people to be more perfect candidates for the future.
6: I just wanted to add on, because Austin brought up, of course, the situation happening at the border, and as we know, recently came out that ICE has been subjecting women as well to force hysterectomies, and that's something that I think really needs to be brought up, which is on the ballot, which is reproductive and women's rights. And women's right to bodily autonomy, and that's especially become a huge problem now with the recent tragic passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because whoever is going to be filled in that seat, as we can see the Senate GOP is quite eager to do so, is undoubtedly going to be quite anti-woman, anti-reproductive rights. And so being vigilant and continue to fight for bodily autonomy, both for women who are U.S. citizens and women who come here seeking a better life is utterly crucial in this election.
3: Yeah, thank you for speaking to that, Kyle. We know that, you know, there's access to safe abortions and reproductive health for upper class women in this country and and women who have more capital in this country. But unfortunately, for working class and poor women, and also now we know, you know, women at the border, that's not always the case. And it's really horrific. And so also, when we're talking about undocumented people, we know that undocumented people can't vote. I'm Puerto Rican, my dad's Puerto Rican. And before he moved to the mainland, he also couldn't vote for president. We also know that some people who are formerly incarcerated also can't vote for president. So can we just speak about this point of voting for the people who can't vote, who don't have the right to vote, but also how do we engage in the election beyond voting? Is there anything else that we can do if we're in the category of someone who can't vote?
5: Yeah, so as I said at the beginning, i um, a political as assoli- I had the privilege that I had the opportunity to apply for asylum, and uh, I got accepted. I'm very privileged, and I think it should be the case for everyone who comes to this country seeking political asylum. I cannot vote, but I still can engage with the election and participate in different ways. So I would say the first thing is try to look up the information and educate yourself, try to understand how politics work in this country. Even though if you can't vote, you still live here, you're a part of the community and the decisions are gonna affect you even though if you can't vote. So one of the ways that you can participate in the election is by getting the vote out, talking to people you know about voting, helping them if they need help registering or checking their registration. You can phone bank, volunteer to phone bank. I'm actually going to phone bank for the first time on Sunday. I'm excited about that. Yeah, so that's some of the things that we can do. We can also participate in protest or organize, mobilize, all of that stuff. So, you know, I also,
3: I wanted to maybe actually ask Austin, you are familiar with the process in which someone can be formally incarcerated and then be able to vote. Is it true that that's also on the ballot this uh, election?
4: Yes, it's very much on the ballot. And it did get a hearing in 2019. It didn't make it through the Senate. It didn't pass. And that's one of the more confusing things about New Mexico's reenfranchising laws is that it is a really weird and rigorous process where you have to get papers from people that nobody ever bothers to get because they're too happy they're getting out of prison. And, And it's never relayed to people that, they can receive their right to vote back. Most people have to go and petition their county clerks and prove that they're of you know sound mind or whatever. And it, it really is sort of like a poll quiz where people are restricted from their right to vote because they serve time. And that is something that is on the ballot this election. And hopefully we'll see some progress on that because that represents a huge part of the community that I would argue is the most affected by some of the laws that are inflicted upon them.
3: The United States has the largest population of incarcerated people in all of history. Like we have such a huge incarcerated population and it's a group of people who have been systemically kind of pushed out of society. And obviously it's related to race and income level. And... I like this idea that it's not always about picking the perfect person. And I think I really need to know this because I'm, I don't support either of the presidential candidates. So, you know, I'm wondering, what's your advice, each of you? What, are, what is, would your advice be to someone who is saying, you know, I don't want to vote because I don't agree or neither of the candidates represent me?
4: Find your issues and find an organization working on those issues. If it is important to you that you know immigrant rights are restored, then vote for the person who is most likely to move in a positive direction and then find an organization who you can fight alongside.
5: I would say that it's really hard to find a person who's like ideal and they support everything that you like. But if you think that way, you're never gonna vote and you just have to vote for the better one or the one that supports your issues the most or is most likely to change? Because that's what my dad told me. Like, it's always been like that. There's always a candidate who supports something, but they don't like something, and you just need to make a decision.
6: And I think I would say that just, it's completely understandable to not like either of these candidates and to be unhappy with the system that we currently live under. But I think that it's really important when you're considering not voting, the fact that, our system is really set up and has been for decades if not centuries on disenfranchising people and depriving people of their votes and that has been really a uh, important part of keeping the people in power that have power now and so by not using your vote you're not really subverting the system you're kind of playing into the hand that people have been playing since you know the times of poll taxes and literacy tests that our government has really made a lot of attempts to keep people from voting and so by Participating in that and holding back from voting, you are not contributing to breaking down the system. You are just silencing your own voice.
3: Yeah. And I I love this idea of like vote and then also find the issue that you care about and the organizations that you care about. Because as has been said many times, like let's November comes around and then, you know, it's not the end of the world. There's still going to be more work that we're all going to have to do and finding the grassroots organization or the people who are working, you know, with values aligned with yours, I think are really important. And I wanted to also, maybe Austin, you would be able to answer this, like, let's say I'm a first-time voter. What advice would you give to a first-time voter? Where should they go? What is the difference between voting by mail and voting absentee in New Mexico?
4: Sure. So there's a whole bunch of stuff I could go down. So number one, register to vote. That is like the number one thing that you can do. The cutoff in New Mexico is October 6th. So if you want to participate in November's election, you have to be registered by October 6th. Okay? How
3: do I check if I'm registered?
4: So you can check online at nmvote.org. It's a little confusing the way they do it. But you enter your date of birth and then you enter the number of the street that you live on. So if I live on 300 Harvard, then I'll put 300 as the number and then my name. And it's pretty easy. Like it is fairly self explanatory. It's just a little bit confusing. If you're not registered, you can also register at nmvote.org. The real hard part about that is you do have to have a state issued ID. And that makes it a little bit difficult. If you don't want to register online and you don't have that information, Call our office at NAVA Education Project and we'll uh, register you in person. Just schedule a time and come on in. Uh, we'll register you. So our phone number is 505-246-1819. As far as the difference between vote by mail and absentee, vote by mail is where everyone in the state automatically receives a ballot. Every single registered voter in the state receives a ballot and they can fill it out and send it back in. Not really what we have here. We have absentee where you actually have to send a request out, which you can do on nmvote.org. You send a request, to receive an absentee ballot, you fill out that ballot, and then you send it back. But it really is two things you have to request your ballot first. And that's really the big difference. A couple of other notes that I just want to make clear. On this year's ballot, because of what happened in the Senate bill and the special session, everyone's going to have to include the last four of your social on the outside envelope of your ballot. So that is brand new, and it was recently put in, and everyone's going to have to do it. That way, your ballot can be counted. Lastly, the final day that you're advised to turn in your absentee ballot is October 27th. I would say do earlier than that. If there are a lot of people turning in their absentee ballots on October 27th, the USPS could get a little bit backlogged and your ballot might not be counted because it's not about the post date. It's about when it's received in your county clerk's office. So if your county clerk receives it on election day, you're good to go. But if they receive it any later than 7pm on election day, they can't count your ballot. So it's probably best to just walk it in. But You know, there's a lot of that really kind of difficult information, and we're more than happy to go over it in our own stuff. And we'll be doing that from here to November. So you can find us at NAVA Education Project. We're on Facebook and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at NM Native Vote. And our websites are exactly the same.
3: So Austin, is there two questions, follow-up questions? Thank you. Is there a way that I can ensure, like let's say I request my ballot at nmvote.org. Is there a way to see if my request was like received? And then my second question is, when should I be expecting my
4: ballot? So the expectation of when you're supposed to receive your ballot is a little bit trickier. It's just random, kind of. They're trying really, really hard with county clerks to make sure that everyone's getting their ballots in a timely fashion. But there really isn't a good expectation of when you're going to receive your absentee ballot. And part of that is because of the unsureness around the postal service. And yes, you can absolutely check it on nmvote.org, where you are in the process of receiving your absentee ballot.
3: I I just wanted to leave some time for any closing thoughts around civic engagement, voting issues, anything like that for each person to open up if they'd like.
6: I think for me in closing, I would just say that I know that things seem really scary and kind of hopeless right now, but that it's really important to remember that they're not hopeless and that we have time and that we can still act and really engage with the things that are happening in our world and still build a world that we want. And just, it's really important to remember when you're voting that our democracy, even if it is a little shaky right now, it's not gone. And the only way that we can save our democracy is by using it. And so it's really important that we engage and that we continue to let our individual voices be heard because otherwise they're gonna be swept away.
5: And I just wanted to say that it's important that we are really vigilant and aware. There is a lot of this information and misinformation going around about voter fraud and voting by mail. Voter fraud is actually very rare. So if you see an article, look up the source, make sure that you're reading credible sources and be persistent. If you find out that there's a problem, try to fix it. And don't be like, oh, I found out I wasn't registered. I'm not going to be able to vote or request a ballot. I didn't get it. I didn't vote. Like, try to figure it out. It's something important. Make it a priority.
4: I think it's super important that everyone gets involved. Even if you leave a couple of spots blank where you're like, I don't like either of these people and I, I don't want to vote. Like, that's not my preference, but, you know, if you want to vote that way, it's your vote. So do it with it what you want. But it really is important that we show up and we make our voice heard. You may not be super excited with who we have at the top of ballot. You may be really excited, but we have some really awesome people at the local level. Get to know your state representatives. They will be super excited to hear from you. I'm sure that they almost never see young people who go, I'm from your district and I'm here to talk to you about A, B, or C. Just... Make sure you know who's on the ballot all from the top to the bottom.
3: Thank you, Austin. Yeah, great, great advice. As I learn more about politics, I realize actually Senate and Congress really matter, <laughs> not just presidents. So I've just, you know, I think, yeah, like you said, up and down the ballot, very important candidates as well as issues. And I guess I just want to echo what everyone is saying about just engagement in whichever way is possible and we're at a crossroads. My personal opinion is that the democracy that exists in this country is not sound or stable, but I think in terms of human rights, there's a lot at stake. And there's, you know, there's a lot of really important issues and rights and policies that could be the difference between a lot of people suffering both in the United States and globally. So. Voting is really important, and so is just staying engaged and staying active in the political process. However, that manifests personally for each person. Thank you so much to all of you for having this discussion with me today, and to Generation Justice for making this space. I think it's really important for young people to know that we're active, we care about issues, and you know, also just educating ourselves more on like how to be involved. It's definitely a scary time, but. We're going to get through it, and young people have always led social justice movements. So I'm excited to continue to do so.
5: Thank you so much.
3: Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing your experiences
1: and knowledge with us about the significance of voting and the importance of youth engagement. I thought it was so powerful when Austin said, When we don't use our rights, we lose our rights. This really emphasizes why voting is so important.
0: Our next song was chosen by panelist Kyle Gonzalez. Here is Long Walk to D.C. by the Staple Singers.
1: September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. And here to share with us more about how you can help spread awareness are Megan McCormick and Gabby Panetta of Breaking the Silence, New Mexico.
0: Breaking the Silence, New Mexico confronts the myths and stereotypes about mental illness and suicide with presentations, trainings, professional development, and community forums.
1: Now, Kyle Gonzalez speaks with Megan McCormick and Gabby Panetta
6: This is Kyle Gonzalez with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Megan McCormick and Gabby Pineda with Breaking the Silence New Mexico. Megan and Gabby, welcome to Generation Justice.
7: Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle.
6: Could you please tell us more about yourselves?
7: Well, my name is Megan McCormick, and I am the executive director Uh, The incoming, actually, we're in transition. So I just joined the team a few weeks ago and I'll be taking over as executive director. I have a long background in nonprofit in Albuquerque. So I'm really committed to social justice and um, breaking stigmas around all kinds of things. Before I was at um, Breaking the Silence, I worked closely with um, Albuquerque Heading Home doing permanent housing solutions for folks that were experiencing homelessness. So I'm really happy to be part of this nonprofit that is determined to break the stigma about mental health and educate people in our community.
6: And Gabby?
8: So I am 21 years old. I go to UNM and I've been with Breaking the Silence since I was 16. So I've been here for about five years now. I started off just as a youth facilitator. I was part of the Mayor's Youth Advisory Council and got trained to teach in schools. And I was the young person teaching our mental health curriculum. Now I'm the older person teaching the mental health curriculum. And I really love Breaking the Silence because they promote education. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we can have in this world is education, to know the facts. And so ever since I was young, I just loved going into the classrooms and spreading what we know. I I am now the communication specialist. So I do more social media stuff. I help create the curriculum and I still go in and present in classrooms.
6: That's amazing. That's such great growth. I love to hear that. Could you share with us um, about the work of Breaking the Silence New Mexico?
8: Sure. Um, So we have three different projects, I would say. Um, Our first program is the mental health curriculum, which we call Talking Mental Health. We basically teach in middle school and high schools. We typically go into the classroom. Right now we're doing online versions and we teach mental health awareness and suicide prevention. The other program is Inside Out Arts, where we use the arts as a platform for people to get across how they've felt through mental health, how they've coped. It's just a different way of expressing themselves. And the last one we do is Minds Interrupted, where we have people share their own personal stories about mental health, whether it's their own or their family members. And they go into basically a big um, auditorium and people gather around and they just share their own stories.
6: That's amazing. And Megan, anything to add about your work?
7: Um, Gabby said it beautifully. We're just, you know, we're focused on this idea that that mental illness and the stigma is, is a public health challenge. Um, and suicide is a big part of that also. So we work closely with uh, the professionals and, you know, within our uh, curriculum to do what we can to prevent suicide as well.
6: As I'm sure you both know, September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month and October is Mental Health Awareness Month. So I just want to ask you, why is it important for us to have a time of the year that we focus on suicide prevention and mental health awareness?
7: I think that um, every day (laughs) we should be focused on mental health, but, you know, there's power in community. And anytime you red flag something and say, this is the time that we're going to talk about this, the community tends to come together around that. And it just so happens that it's really timely in the middle of this you know, COVID crisis.
6: And Gabby?
8: So Breaking the Silence is here to replace stereotypes with facts and stigma with compassion. And like Megan said, having a specific month where people talk about a topic really helps bring that awareness. I I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but there's about 1.4 million suicide attempts in America per year which is a staggering number. And about 48,000 of those end up uh, ending in a suicide. And so I think that having that time where people can talk about those numbers and really feel the impact of them is super important.
6: Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. And I thank you so much for sharing that. That's tragic. And I definitely agree that this is something that, like you said, needs to be addressed, not just in a certain month, but every day. Turning to the community and involving the community, could you tell us about what October looks like for Breaking the Silence?
8: So the first thing I would always advocate for is for education. Um, We want our teachers in New Mexico to be scheduling lessons with us so that we can go into the classroom and really spread that mental health awareness and suicide prevention curriculum. We're doing a campaign um, this month about resources that people can use and how to reach out for help. And that campaign is mostly happening through our social media. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the timeline for the Minds Interrupted, but we tend to do that very close to the end of the year so that we can have people really talking about mental health.
7: There's all kinds of things that are happening. Um, the New Mexico Athletics Association is promoting um, this month and talking about you know athletes who are missing that team um time uh, and students and there's just there are all kinds of things going on so we're trying to also point to the other people in the community that are um, advocating for this as well as just doing what we do and and like Gabby said we're really going to be hitting it hard in October on our social media.
8: Yeah um, so we have social media through Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. They all have that same username it's at, BTS New Mexico, stands for Breaking the Silence New Mexico. Um, Like I said, we're sharing the resources that people can reach out to this month. And on YouTube, people can find our past Minds Interrupted presentations. So we have some presentations up there with people sharing their stories and stuff like that. So yeah, at Breaking the Silence New Mexico, BTS, then spell out New
6: Mexico. Thank you so much, and thank you for those resources. Um, in that vein, um, my own hometown, Farmington, New Mexico, um, this year experienced an 175% increase in suicide rates. What are the best things that we as family, friends, and neighbors can do in our communities to prevent suicide? Talk about it.
7: Talk about it. Open uh, the communication. Have the discussions that are hard. You know, suicide is not 100% preventable, unfortunately. There's no magic formula, but there are things that we can look out for. And if you're educating yourself and you're having those discussions all the time with people, it's a hot topic right now. You just said it yourself, the in the rate in suicide increase is enormous and, you know, we need to be talking about that like we would be talking about any other thing that is impacting our communities on a regular basis. There's no shortage of people talking about um, other social justice issues right now or political things that are happening and this is one of them. So have those discussions and I would also say reach out. have a practice every day of just taking five minutes and just reaching out to a couple of people. And you know, if I notice that somebody is maybe distant or there are some um, signs that they're not doing well, then there are things I can do, there are people I can call, I can try to help in certain ways. Don't just turn a blind eye to um, the people in your lives and make sure you're talking about it as much as you can.
8: I always love to say um, just listening is enough, um, but you also wanna follow through. If you're a kid who has a sibling that is struggling with mental health, or a friend, you don't always know what the right thing to say is, or where the right resources are. But you can listen. Uh, If you're an adult, if you're a teacher, I also say follow through, maybe not giving them advice, but referring them to the right person, referring them to other resources, do some type of thing to follow through so that they know that you heard and you care about them.
6: What are some of the misconceptions and stereotypes around suicide prevention that you're working to break down?
8: A lot of people think that suicide or even mental health is a sign of personal weakness. It's not. It is an illness. And just like any other illness, we can't prevent it. So if you were to have cancer, you don't wait till stage four. You go to stage one and you get help. If you have a mental health problem, we don't want you to get to that suicide stage. We want you to get help beforehand. And it's okay to get help. It's not a personal weakness. It's just a chemical imbalance in your body. It can happen to anyone. Uh, Mental health, suicide, it doesn't discriminate.
7: And there's no cookie cutter formula for somebody who might be considering taking their own life. So, you know, there's all different kinds of reasons and there's all different kinds of people and there's all different kinds of paths they take. So we want to just make sure people are are aware that, you know, it could happen to anybody basically.
6: Um, I want to ask, would each of you mind sharing what you do currently to take care of your mental health?
7: I love that you asked that question. For me, There's a lot of added pressure right now as a mom of kids that are dealing with their own struggles right now because of COVID and having to be, you know, isolated and, you know, on a computer every day and don't have as much interaction. So I just try to make sure that we all disconnect every day from all of the electronics at some point and we get outside and get some vitamin D and some fresh air and some exercise and we have a conversation And also we work really hard right now to take care of our bodies and eat healthy because it's all connected.
8: I think one of the most important things I do is I try to disconnect from my computer. And me being who I am, it's hard to disconnect from my phone. Um, But my personal favorite thing to do is to box. Um, I think that it's a good way to put your energy into something else and just really distract yourself and think for a bit. Um, Stuff like that, I like to go out and do stuff. I can't hang out with my friends as much as I used to. And so what I've started to do is I play board games. Um, I hang out with my roommates and I play board games. I visit my parents and we sit outside and we just play two hours worth of board games. And we talk. Uh, We're socially distancing as much as possible, but still having some type of connection where we can at least talk to each other and be around each other for a little bit.
7: And Kyle, if I could just add, you know, one of the pieces of curriculum that we have in our talking mental health presentation is called the mental health toolbox. If you are thinking about the things that you do to make yourself feel better, and you're having a good moment, it's a good idea to write those down. Here's what I do to feel better, because there might come a time when you can't remember what you did to feel better. (laughs) Like that's when you get to the place in depression that's scary, is when you don't feel hopeful and you're not motivated. Write some things down, collect some things, remind yourself and put it all in one place so that you have somewhere to go to and a kind of a resource for yourself. And that can be really helpful.
6: Thank you for adding that. Where can people in the community go to find more information on your programs like the Mental Health Toolbox and about Breaking the Silence New Mexico generally?
7: Again, um, you can follow us on our social media sites. You can go to our website, breakingsilencenm.org. And we have lots of information there and you can call us. Um, we're here for you we want to talk to you.
8: Our phone number is 505-331-8882.
6: Thank you so much. Megan and Gabby, is there anything else you would like to add?
8: I just want to thank you for having us on the show. (laughs) We really appreciate it. And we are very grateful that other people are also trying to spread this mental health awareness and suicide prevention.
7: Yeah, I would agree. I just want to thank the community for all the support um, and advocacy and um, to remind everyone to hang on to that because we still have a long road in terms of this COVID crisis and we're all hardwired to be together and um, you know we're isolated right now. So it's everybody's feeling um, the blues, I think. Remember that that's okay. It's okay to talk about it and um, you're not alone.
6: Thank you so much. Thank you, Megan and Gabby, for yeah, bringing that to light that even though we may still be socially distanced, we're all in this together and none of us should feel like we're alone. Well,
7: Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it.
6: For Generation Justice, I'm Kyle Gonzalez.
0: Thank you, Gabby and Megan, for looking out for the young people of today and to spread awareness of suicide. I think it is great that you are spreading ways to prevent suicide and to talk to the people in need.
1: Next up is 18002738255 by Logic featuring Alessia Kara and Khalid.
2: I want you to be
0: alive. I want you to be alive.
8: Breath when your head's been drowning underwater, and it's the lightness in the air when you're there, chest to chest with the lover. is holding on to the, the rose light in the
0: dark. To honor Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we want to share a piece of inspiration selected by GJ Youth Media Apprentice Gianna Ramirez.
2: Hi everyone, um, I'm happy to be here today. There's been some crazy stuff going on, I think for sure in our country right now. Well, RBG recently passed away, which was so huge. Um, I know in my family, you know, we had like a whole discussion just talking about it. So it's definitely been on my mind. So I have two small quotes. One is actually from one of her books. Um, another is from a book that I recently read and I just thought it kind of fits together. The first one is, we children of public school age can do much to aid in the promotion of peace. We must try to train ourselves and those that brought us to live together with one another as good neighbors. For this idea is embodied in the great new charter of the United Nations. It is the only way to secure the world against future wars and maintain an everlasting peace. And that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg from her book My Own Words. The second one is from Find Me by Andre Aciman. He's one of my favorite authors. Life is not so original after all. It has uncanny ways of reminding us that even without a God, there is a flash of retrospective brilliance in the way fate plays its cards. It doesn't deal us fifty-two cards. It says it deals say four or five. And they happen to be the same ones our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents played. The cards look pretty frayed and bent. The choice of sequences is limited. At some point, the cards will repeat themselves, sell them in the same order, but always in a pattern that seems uncannily familiar. Sometimes the last card is not even played by the ones whose life ended. Fate doesn't always respect what we believe is the end of life. It will bill your last card to those who come after, which is why I think all lives are condemned to remain unfinished." So I just kind of put those together. Um, I think there's a lot of stress, especially with school and work for some people starting up and to have to worry about like your whole world and people around you it can get just really heavy. And so I think just thinking about your life as like cards, especially with RBG, her work, her cards, are now being handed to us it's like we have her deck we have to take care of it we have to continue on and fight for you know just fight for a better future because that's what she did and you know as a woman i wouldn't have some of the rights i do if it wasn't for her so it's a brighter way of thinking about it because it can be pretty heavy
0: She's gone
7: to stay, you better stop what you're doing.
1: You just heard the song, Moment of Truth, by New Mexican artist Antonia Montoya, also known as Alonerly, featuring Zach Freeman. This song is on Antonia's new album, Among.
0: Tune in to GJ next week for an exclusive interview with Antonia and more songs from her new album. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community engagement. We'd like to thank our guests and contributors, Austin Wiaki, Barbara Ramirez, Kyle Gonzalez, Megan McCormick, Gabby Panetta, and Gianna Ramirez.
1: Tonight's hour was produced by Katy Zuni, Barbara Ramirez, and Roberta Rael. And thank you to our panel moderator, Luna Olavarilla-Gallegos, and our interviewer, Kyle Gonzalez.
0: We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners.
1: Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts.
0: We are also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlists on Spotify.
1: Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Kwon Alma Health Foundation and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate.
0: Our opening song is Youth of a Nation by P.O.D. Our last song of the night is This Is Me, the official 2020 census song performed by Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander artists. I'm Zan Dixon.
1: And I'm Lily Wukow. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word. So stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock.
0: Good night, New Mexico. And remember, you have until Wednesday, September 30th, to get your census filled out.
1: Visit 2020census.gov now.
2: stop this want when it me down.